what's up? And welcome to another episode of Black in the Maritimes. I'm Fidel. I'm Hillary. And I'm Clinton. And we have another day in New Brunswick with some racist crap. I don't even know how do they get this shit. Uh, the government of New Brunswick uh, have told their employees, MB government employees, just to clarify, not to all employees, that they cannot say or acknowledge uh, indigenous titles. So that means indigenous lands, uh, but they won't face repercussions. Uh, the staff was told to instead use approved acknowledgement that include that excludes words like unseated and unsurrendered. Um, they say it's because of a lawsuit and legal rights, but I mean, I just did this because we had the article and I Google New Brunswick government indigenous rights and the amount of articles that Blaine Higgs appears doing some racist shit to indigenous people. It's like seven, seven of them, one after another one. So, I mean, can't this guy just just say that he doesn't like indigenous people? <laughs> <Is> that, <laughs> <laughs> he just needs to say it. Uh, Clinton, what's your thought on it? I think if he said it, he, he would have had a majority government a lot quicker back <laughs> over here in New Brunswick. That's for sure. What? Um, no, I'm saying like you would have had the support of like the majority of New Brunswickers. No, it's just a, it's a good um, take. It's just a hot, it was a hot take, a good take, but a hot take. That's why I made the face that I made. Gotcha. I wasn't sure. Like, so, well, last time with the Truth and Reconciliation holiday, I had some unpopular opinions. Like, this is Higgs going right back to classic ridiculousness. I know words are important and words matter, but to literally at this point in time, just like send out a memo to every government New Brunswick employee. And to be honest, honestly, not thinking it's going to get leaked by anyone saying that you can't even use this kind of terminology. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. It's it's just another slap in the face. I can I think I can understand it from a legal perspective, whereas First Nations communities are trying to make claims on 60% of the land in New Brunswick. So at the same time, the government's saying like, well, we can no longer acknowledge that uh, we took it from you without your approval because that may weaken our case in court. Um, it's just another, it's just racism. It's just more racism. I couldn't believe it. Hillary, what's your take on it? I think that the worst part about all of this is the fact that teachers are government of New Brunswick employees. And so I've had a lot of teacher friends sort of saying, how do you want us to fairly recount history when you are trying to ask us to reword land acknowledgements to blur the truth of the history? And only what? Like two weeks after Truth and Reconciliation Day, which he didn't even enshrine again. Really, if it all was right, Blaine, just tell just tell the indigenous people you're racist and you don't like them because the evidence is stacking up pretty high at this point. Um, I mean, I think it's it's great in a way, I guess, that there's not going to be repercussions so that everyone can continue to do what they're doing. So it only does really look bad on the government. It also looks bad on the government for going into a lawsuit against these people because the history is the history. You took this land a long time ago. I know Blaine is old. I don't think he was literally there stealing the land. But at the same time, he is best friends with the group of assholes that are continuing to keep the land and the money away from people who deserve it. He might have been there stealing the land. We, we can't be sure. I mean, <laughs> we can't be sure. He's <laughs> only giving people five extra cents. He might be there. He might have been there. It's hard to say, but I didn't think so. Well, he worked for Airbnb, so you oh, never that's what know. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now I, I want to ask a question. Now we've seen all these microaggressions that they have, the government of Brunswick have been doing to Indigenous people. Uh, do you guys think it's because for me, I think it's a stereotype. Blaine Higgs is the stereotype man of New Brunswick, old white that is old school and. This back in the day, they didn't respect indigenous people. Do you think he is implementing that thinking into the government, or do you think it's just part of you know what New Brunswick is? I th I think it's what New Brunswick is. I, I like I don't think that like Blaine is not the only one. Like the joke that isn't really a joke that Clinton said he might have gotten a majority vote sooner. I feel like 
I grew up around people who also harbored those stereotypes that indigenous people were just drunks who took the money from the government. And I'm only 27. So it's not like it's this ideology of only this, what, 60, 70 year old man who's best friends with the Irvings. I think it is the mentality of a lot of people. And I think it's really unfortunate. I've heard several of my friends talk about the different ways in which their places of employment in New Brunswick did not celebrate truth and reconciliation day the way that they feel that they should have. And like not even just having a day off, but didn't properly acknowledge it, didn't say a statement, didn't have a moment of silence, just operated like it was a business as usual day. And a lot of these people who are like woke-ish mid 20 year olds felt like that was a really big missed opportunity. So if that's happening at a lot of different places across New Brunswick, it can't only be Blaine thinking this way. So I don't think that he's necessarily like polluting the government with these thoughts. I think there's probably a lot of racist people in the government who are supporting what he's doing in this mistreatment of an entire group of people. And I will also say all of these microaggressions are really stacking up to one big macroaggression called genocide. <laughs> it's not micro anymore. If you keep adding onto the list. <laughs> I just want to say that I hate the term microaggression because for any listeners out there that, that aren't aware, the term microaggression only only applies to when someone is saying something offensive to a visible minority or person of color. So it was a term that was literally created just to dilute racism. There's no, it's not, a, there's no microaggressions. There's only aggressions, in my opinion. We need to get rid of the microaggression. I say that all the time. I mean, um, to, to be honest with you, I agree on that. I just think like in, in the government perspective, because again, my concern is, is that I think, and this is a personal opinion, I, I could be totally wrong about this. I think Blaine Higgs and his cabinet of old white men are putting all of these things that they believe, that they always believe, and they're implementing it into the government. But they are aware that they cannot do it like they would do it. They do like little poking things and they, they blame it on like budgets and and things like that. And I'm like, OK, so they 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 find a reason of doing like, for example, like the fact that he didn't recognize systemic racism as a law, like that's stupid, like that you could have done that. That's that that would have been an easy thing to do. But you decided not to do it because of, ah, oh, you said that that would be hard that whatever, like you found a little thing. And then you take the you take the truth and reconciliation saying that, oh, businesses, uh, then you take them their gas tax saying, oh, it's it's too much money. Like it's little things when I say because I, I, I say it's like little things that you can find loopholes in the government and you could justify them because some people will be, you know, that will benefit some people along the line because that's what governments are like. They benefit some people and some people lose. That's oh, usually yeah. how it works. And I, I feel like they are doing like little pokings, which I, that's what I call the maker. It's like little pokings to when they just can take everything away and say, oh, fuck you guys. Yeah, I mean, it's not that you're saying microaggressions and you're saying something wrong. That's what the term has always been. But it's it's racism or it's aggression or it's systemic. <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, Microaggression is the term they created to just allow them to do it and downplay it by being like, oh, it's just a microaggression. But regarding your question, Fidel, like, is it Blaine Higgs being an old guy with these opinions or New Brunswick? I, I don't, I, it's hard to separate the two. It's kind of all one in the same, right? It's like, the Irvings picked him and put him in power because he was a certain way and people voted him in because he was a certain way. It's like it's like Donald Trump. You know, Donald Trump didn't create the racism in the States, but he gave a face and a voice to it and enabled people to come out of the I was going to say come out of the closet with their racism. <laughs> Yeah, Blaine Higgs is he's he's the perfect token child for an older generation. And Hillary, I you know, I gotta admit, like when I was before my teen years, I heard those same negative things about indigenous people too, even growing up in Toronto. Because actually it's one of the cultures that it wasn't really present in Toronto. I always say it was the most multicultural city in the world. And it wasn't until my teen years that I very quickly changed my opinions. So you know, there's still no excuse in 2021 for any age group demographic or anything like that to be racist. Uh, the last thing I want to say on the topic, though, if we end up moving on, is that it's really interesting, the, the indigenous plight and struggle, because I don't know of any other culture in 
anywhere in the world where after their land was stolen from them, they had the opportunity to like argue for it and demand it back and seek reconciliation through diplomatic means and just to be given it back. I, even the, the indigenous people seem to, even the Palestinians, right? Like their land was taken from them and in a genocidal fashion as well. Uh, I've just always mystified that in Canada, they even allow indigenous people to, it's amazing that we live in a country where they allow indigenous people to file a lawsuit to to make a land claim on land that was taken from them 300 years ago. It's, that's amazing. I wonder what's going to happen. Don't, don't let, like, don't let Blaine Higgs get that snippet where he's like, we're so nice. We're letting there be a lawsuit. Canada is such a good country. We're allowing them to fight for what they originally but, had. I, I, but, but I, I get say, your point. But you're right. But, but we're not the it's only one. Like, we're, we're not the only ones. Australia, that has happened. New Zealand, that has happened. The United States, that has happened. The same thing has happened in different countries with indigenous people. In Mexico, that has happened too. Yeah, and in the Middle East, that's their life. That's their that's their that's their life. Except that they don't believe in the system; they just fight. Go ahead. Are you saying Are you saying that Indigenous people in the states fought for their land back? Who won? No one won. They didn't win. Well, no. <laughs> they well, win. <laughs> they, they actually have better. Better. They're not better, but they're better than in Canada. Because in Canada, uh, in the states, they were able to establish free markets in their land. So, for example, they're able to get casinos and um, coal mining and oil fields and stuff like that. And they don't have to give a cent to the government. Uh, that's theirs. And they, they, they share within their tribe and they can do uh, lending. They do a lot of phone lending and a lot of banking, like telephone banking, which they cannot do that in Canada. Uh, so that's also who's left, though. Oh, I didn't mean to finish, cut off your last thought, because most of the indigenous people in the United States have been eradicated. There's something like four or five times the amount of indigenous people in Canada than in the States. But sorry, finish yeah, your yeah. thought. No, no, no. Yeah, I, they might, I don't know the population statistics, but, uh, but they have fought. Uh, in the United States, they have fought and won several times uh, different things like free markets and stuff like that. Uh, now, compared to Canada... Because our laws are different, they've been more harassed here than than in the states. Uh, but it's not the first country. There's been many, many countries. I think in the states, it's been the one that they have thrived most. Uh, mm. Because again, because the they have a capitalism society, right? So because of that type of society that they have, they've been able to to gain a lot of things. Like for example, I don't know if you guys remember. Uh, that when the pandemic came, the UFC was the first uh, sport to come back, professional sport to come back. And they wanted to do uh, a stadium, like a live thing. So Dana White was going to do it in indigenous land in the States. And that was completely legal. It wasn't until ABC, which is the parent company of ESPN, told them, hold on, dude, you can't do this. But they were able to do it and nobody could do anything about it. I just wanted to say that I Googled the amount of people and there's more, there's more, there's like 5 million more indigenous people in America than here. Okay. For the record. I like, I was the the past for previous episode. Okay. It said 6.79 million native American people in the States. And we only have 1.67 million here. Granted our population is much smaller than America as a whole. Um, But I've always, cause I've always heard a lot of people even American people saying that they don't believe that they have indigenous people anymore. And I've seen indigenous creators basically say that it's, it's like a myth and a misconception that they are not in that country. And that's like the hardest thing they have to face is this feeling of like erasure, like they don't exist at all where it's like, in the States, it's almost like they don't exist. In Canada, they exist and we make them suffer and beg for their land. And then we say we change land acknowledgements and don't enshrine their holidays and blah, blah, blah. I, I think that's the difference in the States. I think because in the States, they have been able to gain more access. That The only way that they can do more racism stuff to them is by erasing them. I agree with Hillary. I think that's yeah. what they do. Uh, because again, because it's so decentralized, like what the law in North Dakota is, it's not the same one in Florida and you can go to the Supreme court and stuff like that, which we have that in Canada, kind of similar, uh, but it's a little bit more centralized than in the States, but how the States does it is that they don't talk about them. They don't say anything. They, they don't even acknowledge it. And they have taken away a lot of their federal 
uh, things because of they they have been able to gain as much as they gain. The federal government uh, takes a lot to them, so I think that's uh, I think I agree with Hillary in that part. Uh, you're right. You're right. It's uh, it was the percentages I was quoting last time. There's uh, it's about like zero point i don't know the stats like anyways percentage oh, per population can, ratio per capita is yeah i think we're more we're, can when we when it comes to indigenous people i think we're more compared to indigenous in new zealand and australia because we have kind of like not the same population i think we have australia has more people than us and new zealand has less uh but i think it's a more comparable because it comes for the british the british law compared to the americans that they have their own thing going on so but anyways, playing Higgs hates indigenous people. I, he won't admit it. He won't. <laughs> Kanye, it's a Kanye comment of New Brunswick. Yeah, I mean, Blaine Higgs doesn't care about indigenous people. <laughs> well, he doesn't. He doesn't care. He doesn't give a. Flying he doesn't care about black people either. Well, well, because again, the, the the difference between us is that in in a in a little way, they need us. They need the immigrants from Africa. They need the the black and brown people to work to pay taxes like they need us the indigenous don't have to pay taxes or well not necessarily but they don't have to pay taxes directly they do pay some taxes uh but they don't we're not immigrants but yeah well no no no. but what i'm what i'm saying black people but what i'm saying black people in general they need black people they need people to come they need butts and seats the 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 indigenous is kind of weird because it's like well we took the land away from you we're making you live in a shithole. We're taking all this shit away from you. And guess what? Uh, we don't like you, but we took our shit. We took your shit. So it's like, it, it is a little bit strange to somebody that's just the color of their skin. And like you guys, you were born and raised here, right? Like, it's just that you just have a different skin tone than somebody else, right? So I in the argument, sorry, I was just going to say very quickly yeah. in the argument that Blaine also doesn't like the indigenous, don't forget that he also tried to almost make them start to pay taxes again and take away their tax exemption. So, And he ignored decades of their requests <laughs> for an inquiry into systemic racism and instead handpicked their own person to, to put their token commissioner to look into racism in general. Like they didn't, they said, you guys want to do this? Nah, fuck that. We're going to do this different thing on our own and completely ignore everything that you think would help this province. I feel mild PTSD when I start to hear commissioner against systemic racism now, because it was such a long <laughs> few months without that hiring during that hiring process that like Surya was discussing how long it took in the guise of this whole conversation about the un unceded land and all the wrongdoings New Brunswick has done and how they didn't really stand with uh, the indigenous people during the whole fisheries terrorism thing in Nova Scotia. And anyway, as soon as she was like, so what was that information about the commissioner against systemic racism? I was like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm tired now. <laughs> well, it has it happened. Shout out to Manju. Hope she does her job. I mean, I don't think nothing's going to come out of it, but at least she's going to do her job. Uh, but we're going to go to Nova Scotia, actually. Uh, that after we talked about how they put a white guy as the minister of African Nova Scotian affairs. So after a lot of outcry and a lot of people complaining for the right reasons, because again, it was ridiculous. The conservative government in Nova Scotia uh, has appointed Dwayne Provo named Associate Deputy Minister of the <coughs> African Nova Scotia Affairs. He will be the third highest deputy in cabinet, uh, which makes him uh, one of the highest black politicians with a higher ranking uh, without even having a seat, which is actually great. Uh, and again, congratulations to him. And, uh, you know, he's he's a guy that said that, you know, uh, that he thinks they need there needs more black representation. And it's kind of good to see the conservative government listen. I, I think, I, I, you know, we criticize the government a lot uh, in, no, you know, conservative, greens, NDP, well, not NDP, nobody criticized them in New Brunswick because they don't exist. But anyways, uh, you love, you love I mean, I just, I, I want them to do something. That's why I take shots at them because I hope they, <laughs> yeah, they you do take something. a lot of shots. It's funny. I hope, I hope they do something once. I mean, I, I, we need a change, but I don't know what they're thinking. Uh, but anyways, they're not uh, going to, I don't think, well, it is what it is. The provincial uh, NDP. Yeah. They're very different. You, 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 op you open my eyes. I don't want to, you open my eyes to that uh, a couple of weeks ago. They're very different than the federal ones. And I, I can see that 
up hand up close and personal because I've I got all kinds of stories about them now yeah, I will yeah. say I also relayed your opinion Fidel to somebody on the phone the other day and we had a whole conversation about how you're right so look at you it's just ch- changing our minds left right and center <laughs> anyway okay. um, um, yeah. but but yeah we criticize the government here but mm-hmm. at least the conservative government did listen to their people they realized that that was ridiculous and they made a change which was the right change to do I mean, they had to put somebody black that wants to, you know, advocate for black people. Uh, is it enough? Well, that's available, but it's a change. So, uh, Hillary, what's your take on this? Like, but why did they listen? They listened not because they want black representation, because they want the votes. Because like, if they would have kept a white person there, would black conservatives have been more upset? Is this trying to convince people, like you said, that they are listening I think that this is all for like optics and looks. He's still also a conservative. It's not replacing the person that was actually put as the minister in power. It's just putting a black person as what, at like three stages below the person in power. It's only like mildly helpful, but it's not actually reversing the change that was made. Um, I, I just see it as like, optics as trying to fix a situation i don't really know if it's listening to the people because they feel that there should be representation it's listening to the people so that they are appeased so that they vote them back in again i don't believe there was any like good intention really behind it what about you clinton what's your take on this uh i don't know it's one of those things where it kind of feels like it's supposed to feel like a win but it really feels like it's still a big loss yeah, it's they put Dwayne Provo, former CFL player, which, of course, entertainment, black people play football, basketball, sing, dance. And but also an educational administrator. And I'm sure a super intelligent man and a really great person. And I, and I sincerely mean that. But, yeah, they put him third in command. They didn't listen to the community because the community did want a black person. I said in a previous episode that. I understand why they wouldn't put a non-conservative in because power is still more important to them than black people and equal rights. And that's how their power works for them. But it's kind of like, you know, black people asking for equality and getting a holiday. (laughs) It's, I don't know what kind of power he'll have. I don't, it doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel great at all. It feels like he'll be... I hope he's not just a token player and just something done for PR and optics and that they truly listened and said, we need to do something, but it, it doesn't leave a great taste in my mouth, to be honest. I mean, I think one of the things that I push for, and I I, got to give it up in to certain parts of politics here. Uh, The first black man, to be elected in politics was Lincoln Alexander, and it was the Conservative Party that gave him the, the chance. Uh, the Conservative Party uh, was one of the first, or the first party to to get advocates to Black people. Uh, the Liberals then jump on ship, and, and that thing. I do think Nova Scotia in particular has a lot of more Black, or I would say more Black representation in the Maritimes than any other province in the Maritimes. Uh, I think they have a lot of, or not a lot, but some black representation. I do think that they are a more louder voice, and I think Dwayne Provo should be part of that loud voice because I think I think one thing that I do like about Nova Scotia is that conservative, NDP, Green, if they black, they can all, or you know, I'm gonna rephrase that. Canadian politics in general. I'm not gonna just be skinny. Whether you're all the parties, they all agree on that, yo, we need black people here. And the black people that are there are like, okay, this is some racist shit. We're not going to tolerate this shit compared to other places that they just try to defend it. Like I remember, I don't know if you guys remember when Donald Trump uh, was elected president. Uh, there was the election here. Uh, Kelly Leach, which was a representative of the conservatives, uh, she was praising Donald Trump and thinking that that should be more in Canada. And the conservatives, her own party was like, we're not tolerating this racist shit. We're not supporting you. We're not doing this shit for you. And it was the 
minority caucus that were like, we're not doing this. Uh, however, I think in Clinton's point, I think it's going to be up to Dwayne Provo to be the loudest voice. I think uh, he needs to be loud to be recognized. And if that doesn't happen, if he gets put in like a token, like you said, if he's like a token guy, he should resign. That's what he should do. That's That would be the, the thing that he should do. Uh, just like Selena did with the liberals or just like uh, what I don't remember her name, which she was indigenous did with the liberals as well. Like, you know, I think that's the thing. I think uh, I, I can't say, I will say that in Nova Scotia, it's a politics are more progressive towards black people uh, because they're in politics and they're actually in uh, places. And I think they was wrong for having a white guy when you have actually black MPs there just because they're not from your party. Uh, but I definitely think that I think it's maybe I think it's going to be a, a wait and see game just to see what can do, what happens. But I think if he voices his word and hopefully we can have it on the show, maybe we can talk to him to, to see what it is. Uh, maybe we can see what exactly is going to happen. But, yeah, I think we have to wait and see. Uh, maybe he could be a token, which it's it wouldn't be a surprise. We've seen this before that they put a black guy. It's like, oh, my God, let's put some black person or somebody brown just to get rid of these people. Like, we've seen this, but we got to check uh, if he does it or not. So uh, congratulations to Dwayne Provo. Hopefully uh, we can have it on the show. We, we should have a couple of people from Nova Scotia uh, and discuss that. So let's get to our big topic, uh, which is kind of weird because this is going to be our big topic. Dave Chappelle just uh, got himself uh, a special, which uh, it I, I thought it was funny. Um, however, uh, he goes... I don't know if it's a rant. I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know what you could call it about LGBTQ plus A and transsexuals. And he talks about a friend that was transsexual. Uh, and some people felt some type of way. Uh, some people working on Netflix felt some type of way. And they've been planning a walkout. They were, some people were trying to ban Dave Chappelle. Uh, Netflix has stood over and stood by their decision. Uh, and the special is getting a lot of, you know, it's getting a lot of praise and it's getting a lot of hate and it's getting a lot of attention. So we're going to talk to Hillary because she is the LGBT the resident gay. <laughs> yes. I'm your token gay. You're, you're not the token gay, but you're the gay Acadian. So when it comes I'm to the, those oh, stuff. Oh, I'm a gay Acadian. Yeah. So. We, we got to talk to you when it comes to those Ooh. things first, and then we'll, we'll, we'll figure All it out. All kinds of sound bites this episode. Eh? <laughs> I mean, it can't be worse than the Trantric PPC sex guy, so it can't be worse than that. So. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. Are you still are you still creeping his page, by the way? I meant to ask you that tonight. You... I've not looked back into it. I'm just very thankful that not a single family member said, hey, good podcast episode this week, or anything about it at all. Oh. No one said a single word. Oh, oh, I heard. oh that, that's, that's not necessarily a good thing. Well, I, I'm going home feedback, tomorrow. We'll you usually see. get feedback, and then there was no episode, there was no feedback on this one. All I heard from people is like that shit was wild. Like you guys were wild, and hey, and not, I think they 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 judge all of us. Most people judge all of us for this episode. So they can judge episode. us. Do would they if they'd like to pay us for more content? Go to Patreon, and maybe we'll make a very. Spicy I was pretty episode. silent on that one. Yeah, I, I, okay. I was more vocal in the private chat. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. We all have our moments. Back to being the resident gay. Um, had a lot of problems with the special. It felt like, hi, I'm Dave Chappelle. I was given a certain amount of money to make a certain amount of specials, and I've run out of things to say. So I'm just going to continue to beat on this one point for an hour and make it worse i didn't really find it funny I, there were some moments that like were funny i'm okay with laughing sometimes with and sometimes not with black communities gay communities i understand that there can be humor and trauma i would not be the person that i am if i did not laugh at the situations that i've been in but at certain points it felt a little bit like we get it um and i just pulled up an article that has quoted the like the the joke that I think was sort of like the the biggest problem of it all was the whole conversation in I come in peace and I want to <laughs> save the baby which the baby's comments were shitty and while I thought that that one line was funny to then 
go into describing the fact that apparently it's true that DeBaby shot and killed somebody in Walmart, that that did nothing to his career, but the way he spoke about the gay community is what got him canceled, how problematic that is. And then Dave Chappelle saying he's jealous of the movement that the gay community has made. And I think the crux of the problem with that is that like you're highlighting exactly the problem with America, which is it should be a bigger deal that this person killed somebody than what he said about the gay community. Both of those things are very shitty things. I do think it is a worse thing to kill somebody in Walmart. I think it's more of a reflection on how sad America is as a country that that did not give him as many consequences or penalize him in the same way that his comments about AIDS did. And I think that what Dave Chappelle said about feeling jealous about the LGBTQ plus communities movement and the progress that they've made is in a way the same conversation that we've been having around different minorities, not supporting other minorities because we're all trying to fight the white man and sort of this weird jealousy thing, which also undermines every single queer and black person for having to have double the fight and ignores the fact that Marsha P. Johnson, the first person to throw the stone at Stonewall, is a trans black woman. Like you're just shitting on a whole community for money and i like did not really ever laugh it just felt like berating a point for no reason and then referencing i know trans people and i know gay people in almost a way of being like i can say this shit when no one asked for this to be the like headlining topic of your special and you did not if you're if the crux at the beginning was I'm not doing another special until me and the LGBTQ plus community are on the same side. I guess you just guaranteed yourself a vacation because I don't think that we're ever going to be on the same side. That's all. Wow. You, you, you really think that you guys will never get along with Dave Chappelle? I mean, don't say you guys like I am the spokesperson for the gays. No, no, no. no. I've been yeah, gay for right. like that... three years. Kind of chill. <laughs> However, oh, oh, however, oh, I don't okay, like, yeah, you're right. If you're the joke right. of the special is I'm not doing another special until we all get along. It seems to me that a lot of queer people are going to have a lot of beef for a really long time about this, especially considering the queer people at Netflix who feel that this type of special and this type of rhetoric encourages hate speech, encourages people to speak this way. And so I don't, I just don't know that like everyone's going to get back on board, but I could be wrong. Okay. What about you, Clinton? What do you think about the whole special? Mm, I have so many thoughts and feelings about the, this topic that I don't think I'll be able to remember them all or unpack them all in, in one, you know, response here. But Dave Chappelle's most recent special was really shocking to me. It uh, made me question a few of the things he said. Um, and at the same time, you know, fell in line with, you know, who Dave Chappelle always has been and who he's become. One thing for certain, and I agree with everything you said, Hillary, but one thing for certain is that Dave Chappelle definitely isn't doing specials for the money. Dave Chappelle is one of the most iconic and unique people in show business in the sense that, like he said in his episode, this is true, I remember, in his fourth season of his show, The Chappelle Show, which ran from like 2003 to 2006, right after the, the, the last season he had started, he, or right before it did, he walked away from it. He walked away from the contract. He walked away from a $50 million contract because he didn't like the way the producers were trying to make him do his comedy about Black people. So he definitely has integrity and his own set of values and ethics. His own, everyone has their own set of ethics and moral like and a moral code that he stands by. So definitely didn't do it for the money. Now, I have watched a lot of stand-up comedy. And, you know, I find that stand-up comedy is usually like 80% jokes and like 20% sermon a sunday sermon uh, not about god or religion but about whatever that comedian believes in they always try to interject into their show some kind of dialogue with a story and a moral ethic and a life lesson or something like that uh, with dave Chappelle's special i found it was like 30 percent comedy and like 70 percent him just preaching his personal agenda so it wasn't the funniest one i'd ever seen by far but 
um he was being real to himself um the one thing that was the most shocking to me is that when he said that um being trans is an okay choice right I, I was surprised you didn't mention that like because a lot of the arguments in the lgbtqia plus community is that right is that um lgbtq twin spirit to us ia plus if you really want to get it or my, my favorite thing is justin trudeau can't do it anyway so i was fine. close I, you're I'm very close, close. I, I, I just say lgbtq plus because it's just getting i know i know i just saw it today it's, it's though just, so I, hey. it's like i hadn't, <laughs> hadn't even seen those other letters before um he said a lot of, he said what a lot of i think people think and are afraid to say uh, i i don't think that i don't necessarily agree with everything he said but I mean, Dave Chappelle is a legend. The stand-up comedy has always been something that has pushed barriers, shocked people. I mean, comedy nowadays, it's really hard to surprise anyone or shock people after their family guys and South Parks and things like that. You really have to take it to the next level to get people's attention. Uh, his beef with the LGBTQ, um, I'm just going to leave it at that, community started way back in 2005. So this has been an ongoing drama. And I don't think he did it for this, but drama creates attention. Like his last special was the most popular stand-up special that Netflix had ever released. It topped the charts. It blew every, like Netflix has hundreds of stand-up comedies on it. And his last one, it just like blew shit out of the water. Um, so there was no way Netflix was going to turn this away. And with all the controversy, he's getting more views and likes by his haters and lovers alike, just like the baby. Like I was saying, he'd said that controversial shit right before his album dropped. And um, by the way, the baby killed someone out of, he says self-defense. There were, there was a gun, there was a gun wielder in Walmart. His, he was with his wife and his kids. Anyways, I don't know if he should have gone to jail, but he didn't just cold blooded murder. Someone. So anyways, that was kind of wrong about Dave Chappelle as well. My point, I think, and let me wrap this up was that, well, I don't agree with everything Dave Chappelle says. I don't think he is against the LGBTQ plus community at all. I think he may not be the best ally or supporter. Um, but yeah, you can't be like, I know a trans person. I'm not. <laughs> That's like saying I have three black friends. That part didn't. But also he did a bit more than that. He took this person on stage. It was a show opener. Supposed to do all the shows in San Francisco whenever he went back. And then the person I committed. Well, we don't want to give too many spoilers, but I think we already did give a lot of spoilers. We should put a spoiler alert at the beginning of this podcast. Point is, it was something that will be talked about and linked with Dave Chappelle for years. Uh, he's iconic. He's going to go down in history as one of the best comedians of all time, for sure. Uh, hate it or not. Um, he just knows how to, even his show, the Chappelle show was super offensive back in the day. I don't know how to wrap this up. It was, it wasn't as funny as all his other episodes. I don't think he is homophobic in any way, but it definitely was controversial and problematic and people need to see it for themselves. I mean, in my personal opinion, and uh, and I'll, I'll I'll get this back to you guys. Uh, I think Dave Chappelle is opening a conversation to a community that is having issues with, uh, you know, accepting or getting the LGBTQ plus, which is mm -hmm. the black community. Uh, mm -hmm. I think he's opening a conversation to those people when he mentions the baby, uh, and he mentions all of that, and Dave Chappelle is really respected. Uh, I think he opens a gate for a community that has a lot of issues with homosexuality uh, that it's now uh, kind of accepting. And it's a lot of people are pushing back. If you look at a lot of rappers like Boosie and a lot of people that they're like, you know, they're pushing back and get this, you know, homosexuality. And again, if you look at, you know, statistics that it's harder for men of color to be you know, accept it as a transgender or as a homosexual or as a polyamorous or what as everything. Uh, so I believe that if you didn't like it, that's fine. I mean, it, it I mean, I don't like Larry the Cable Guy or Jax Foxworthy or none of those guys, but, you know, people like them. Uh, I don't like certain comedians. People are able to accept that they don't find them funny. Uh, people are able to accept that, you know, maybe they feel a little bit offensive, but that's what comedy is supposed to do, right? That's that's the bread and butter. I think if you look at from the people like George Carlin and, you know, 
you know, you go as back as, I don't know, Eddie Murphy, or you go as back as I remember Eddie Murphy delirious that he makes fun of Michael Jackson and he makes fun of Bill Cosby and Bill Cosby didn't like it. And he talks about that. Uh, Richard Pryor was one of the guys that he talked about a lot about things like that. Uh, but I also think that in a perspective, he talks to a lot. He talks to an audience that a lot of people don't reach out. Like Kevin Hart doesn't talk about that because he's too mainstream. He would that would lose his audience. Uh, Chris Rock doesn't talk about that. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld doesn't talk about that. Uh, you know, I don't know which was the biggest comedian right now. I think it's just right now it's 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 Kevin Hart. And who else can we mention? Um, I don't know. I, but- I, I like the comedians that I like that I would say are controversial just because they tend to talk about like very sort of anti-feminist stuff, despite my stance on that is like Tom Segura, Burt Kreischer, Bill Burr, John Mulaney, even Pete Davidson has a special. None of them are talking about the gays. <laughs> exactly. Pete Davidson. Yeah, you, you could hear. And Dave Chappelle is literally talking about these topics that he reaches out to an audience that I don't think a lot of guys reach out. Like he reaches out to an old mainstream hip hop underground audience. Uh, you won't hear Cat Williams talking about that either. And Cat Williams made a lot of fun about gay people back in the day. Like a lot of them did, not just him, but a lot of them did. So I think personally, I think sometimes we're missing the big picture that yeah, you may not like it. Yeah, you didn't find it funny, which is, that's cool. But he's talking about a topic that is really, really in our faces all the time. But we seem not to, you know, we seem not to talk about it often. Like, oh, like, you know how many transsexuals get killed all the time? Or kids that are homeless because their family do not accept them? Or transgenders that get bullied, like the comedian that she got bullied and she killed herself? Like... Those are topics that it, it takes a lot of guts to talk about. Like, it takes a lot of guts to talk about. And I, I think I agree with what Clinton said. Dave Chappelle doesn't care about the money. I think he could care less if Netflix doesn't hire him anymore. I think he could care less because he, he gave up a $50 million contract. He gave up a lot of movies. He doesn't even do movies now. He doesn't even want to write movies. Like, I think, I think the, the, he, it takes a lot of guts to do what he did, regardless of what you think about it i think i think people need to talk about what the bigger picture of about the guts that takes to do that on a mainstream service like netflix right because a lot of like clinton said there's a hundred specials there and you know they don't get as much appeal as as that special itself so and and i want to go back to you guys on this one do you guys think you know do you think he should be praised for that or do you think people should take it like well Again, I can't speak for the LGBTQ plus community. I can't speak for them. I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm an ally, but I can't speak for the struggles because I can't relate to them. Uh, but I also think that if more people are able to talk about it, I think a lot of people will be able to relate and will be able to accept and will be able to be allied. But do you guys think that maybe we're missing the bigger picture that more people should talk about it? Or we're thinking that, well, it's offensive. So maybe he, maybe platforms like netflix should not do that and and listen to the audience and not talk about things and kind of censor them i think the problem is in like again the way that he talked about it i think a lot of the queer community is concerned that it came close to being a dangerous type of rhetoric and like while it was all in jokes and in jest a lot of the comments that i'm seeing or that it could border on something that is bigger and concerning um, in the same way that it's concerning that Netflix fired people apparently about their feelings on it and the conversations that were held in the workplace about it by queer employees. And so like if Netflix wants to be a good ally, give Dave Chappelle his special, but also have more gay and queer and trans comedians as well allow there to be space on the platform for everybody to tell their story because like the the one comment i would really make is that like it clinton's right that it, i don't i also don't believe that dave chappelle is homophobic in any way but that none nothing that he said was like good allyship it was really just trying to 
enumerate ways in which he is like okay with this group's existence to a group of people that you're right Fidel have had in the past a hard time with this group's existence but that's not like doing the work to like sway the vote into like yes now we're all big supporters it was just acknowledging the awkwardness around like mild homophobia and the fact that times are a change in. And I don't think it takes balls to say that. Like, I'm like, you're all right that he, I doubt was financially motivated, but I still think it is a very telling choice to, in his words, wrap up this group of specials that Netflix allowed him to do by answering all of the questions everyone had about the jokes he made in the other ones and making this the whole topic, because when he said that, I didn't remember all of the gay comments he made in all the other specials, and I watched them all. To me, that wasn't a, a, a highlight or a point at all. And again, I just think that it, it, it wasn't good allyship at all. I think these awkward conversations are important, but pay attention to who's holding the conversations and what side the streaming platform seems to be on. They're very clearly on Dave Chappelle's side and not LGBTQ plus creator's side or employees' side. And I think that would create a totally negative experience as an employee for that company to see who is getting preference. What about hmm. you, Clinton? Well, I don't know that Dave Chappelle deserves praise or... All celebrities get criticism. I mean, it's comedy. It's jokes. Um, jokes are always offensive. Usually, the, you know, the comedians that don't swear or say anything offensive, they usually don't get too far. Um, in the same light, though, comedy is one of the only mediums on earth where you can say things and have the kind of conversations that people just don't have in general, that are afraid to have in person, that are afraid to have on the internet, that are afraid to have at work. A comedian gets on stage and they have the power to say the most shocking things because they say it in a way that can also make most of the room laugh. It's comedy is magic in that regard. Um, I don't know. I, again, if whether or not he should be praised has to do with does this push the bar forward for any conversations? Does this allow better conversations to take place in the future? It's it's a good point that you made for that. Like, I mean, um, is it going to create dialogue in communities where you, you're not allowed to talk about these kinds of things? Um, I don't know. Um, we'll have to see. And regarding Netflix, I would say that this is one special Um I would also say that Netflix is probably responsible for putting out more LGBTQ plus content than any streaming platform ever in the history of mankind. In fact, I've seen articles and back in the day, I used to see like websites complaining about the amount of gay characters in, in Netflix shows, how every Netflix show has some kind of queer character in it. Um, and while you were talking, I just did a quick search uh, post September 24th, 55 of the best LGBTQ plus shows you can watch right now on Netflix. Uh, I wouldn't say they're not an ally. Um, I think they put out a ton of LGBT plus content. Um, but at the same time, <laughs> with cancel culture, you know, it's really ironic. Did anyone notice that Seinfeld suddenly popped up on Netflix this week with, the, you know, Kramer, that problematic character that said the N-word to hecklers during a live stand-up comedy show and himself, I guess, got canceled back in the day. Like Netflix just dropped that. I mean, Netflix is, uh, they're like Amazon. They're, they're a beast. They, uh, they have so much content that it's unbearable. And it's the people that choose to watch this or that show and give it give those shows the power and the, the attention that has the power to make news headlines and conversations like these and twitter explode i mean the people chose to watch it right so that says something like it, it proves his legacy it proves his legend and I, I i would say there's probably three to five hundred different comedy specials i don't think he deserves praise but he's he's a legend he's one of this particular episode maybe aside he's one of the funniest people i've ever seen on tv so yeah well hopefully i guess like i said oh. time will tell we'll see we'll see how this ages uh through the yeah. years and hopefully again i think uh i i basically think it's just a special and 
I think it opens a conversation. I don't know necessarily. I think I agree with Hillary that I think they need to be more, uh, give more specials to LGBTQ plus comedians. And I think I do agree with Clinton as well that I think Netflix has done a lot prior because I've never seen anyone on Showtime or HBO or all Comedy Central per se. So I think I think both of you and, and make some really good points uh, saying uh, what that happens. But we'll, time will tell. And again, I think if Netflix... Uh, doesn't get another Chappelle special, Amazon will or Hulu or somebody else will get it. So, uh, so yeah, I think, I think that's it. I think we're going to wrap this up. Uh, you I'd guys like have- to add just very quickly that like in the, in the same way that like we were saying about the different aspects of the government, I don't think that a company can really perform allyship. We know it's all for money. They knew that this would blow up in this way and make the money and get the clicks and get the same criticism, which is, I'm sure, why they put it out despite knowing it would be problematic to the LGBTQ plus community. They know that they have a wide variety of LGBTQ plus content for that community as well. In the same way they like Disney sometimes gets um, criticisms for the way that they depict animated black people or black characters because they tend to die halfway through the movie. But then, you know, they'll also come out with movies that the... Um, the trailers seem to depict a queer love story, but then they'll release a a whole statement saying, no, no, that's friendship. That's not gay to appease the Christian audience. Everyone's trying to play everybody to make money. I think that unfortunately this special, it did just that it received a lot of criticism. I think it alienated a lot of the LGBTQ community. It still got everybody their bag and their money. I don't think it's a good look if I was like employed by them, but like, I also just don't think it's going to open dialogue. I think it's a, it's a thing that exists. It's content. People will consume, people will form opinions. Life will keep going on. That's it. All right. Um, So guys, again, uh, we're going to wrap this up for today. And uh, if you like what you hear, uh, support us on Patreon or on PayPal. Uh, Don't forget to give us a like on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Black in the Maritimes. Uh, don't also forget to subscribe to our podcast and also uh, leave us a review. This is always is great for the podcast. Uh, you guys have anything else to say? I'd like to add, uh, check out our YouTube. We've been gaining a, a small amount of traction over there and I upload the full episodes divided by segment in case you don't have the time to listen to it all or you would rather see our faces. I often make funny faces, at least I think so. So check it out, uh, youtube.com, I think, slash Black in the Maritimes, or just search us there. And yeah, that's it. All right. Davis on Instagram. That's it. All right, guys. Peace. Peace. Bye.